listening to Chillin' Grace, the lifestyle podcast for women disrupting the norm by chilling in their truth and gracefully inspiring others to do the same. As a certified coach who works with successful women to disrupt the norm by trusting themselves with what they want for their life, it's always been super important for me to showcase women doing just this. We all deserve to be seen, to be heard, to be understood, and to know we aren't alone when what we want for our life may seem too big, too different, or too weird. Thank you for tuning in, and let's get to it. Hey, this is Holly Crevo, and welcome to Chilling Grace. Um, today's episode was fun for me as I was able to reconnect with somebody for what honestly feels like a lifetime ago. Um, what you may not know about me is before I became a coach and before I worked in corporate America, I worked for about 10 years in athletics, and that experience was probably the most formative time of my life for me. I got to college at Texas Tech University in um, 98. And I found that I could take my love of sports and communications and merge them in one. And that's what I did. I started working for college athletics at Texas Tech University, worked there during college a little bit after, went to New York City where I worked with ABC Sports, working college football, and then to Oklahoma City with the Olympic movement, working for USA Softball. And I cannot even tell you what I took from working during that time in athletics and what it did for me as a human and as now as a coach. And I, you know, during this time, you're working with people at the very top of their game, right? You're working athletes at the top of the game, coaches at the top of their game. And the way they, their mindset is and the way their days are set and their intentions and their habits and their dedication that makes them so great, which is so inspiring to be around. Um, just the go-getters and these attitudes of controlling what they can and focusing on what they can. And just this dedication taught me so much as it, you know, just as in personal life and then now what I work with my clients on, you know, and for me personally, I learned so much about, you know, teamwork, right? You're working with all different types of team. You're doing a ton of other duties as a sign. You're traveling to remote countries that you're together, you know, just making it all work. And the dedication and time, what I don't think people realize about working in sports, whether you're in the Olympic movement or TV or, you know, professional, it takes a lot of time and a lot of hours. Um, you know, we would get done with an event at three in the morning and we'd be back at the fields at seven, um, which we loved, right? There's not a lot of complaining, which is always kind of fun for me. A lot of coffee maybe, but not a lot of complaining. Um, and then just the adaptability, right? Of situations, of cultures, of you know, events, there was so much that would change. We would, you know, in one country have state-of-the-art facilities and then next we would go to and there'd be livestock in the outfield. So just learning to do that and not only adapting, but excelling in these new environments. And I share all this because one, it was such a special time to me and I don't think I talk enough about it. And two, to kind of say why it's important for me to work with you know, quote, average humans or non, you know, non, non-professional athletes, non-Olympic athletes to build in these, these, these mindset and these intentions to be their best self. And, you know, like I said, we may not be a professional athlete, but we can still do some of the things they do to create intention and success in our lives. And so today I'm sharing, I, today, I'm sorry, today, this podcast is with Tracy and Tracy, I met during my time with USA softball and Along with the athletes and the coaches, the support staff and people that you'll meet in athletics are just 
some of the top in the world, right? There's this drive for excellence and teamwork. And so you just meet amazing people. And she was one of them. She worked for a company called Old Hat and they did the branding and marketing for our company. And so she's continued to do that. Some with sports and now working on profits and in the music industry in Nashville. And so it was kind of, it was really important for me to have her come on and talk about, you know, what is your personal brand and what does it look like to stay true to that? And how can focusing on your brand keep you aligned with your values and what, what you want from your life? Um, I know she's done this. She's always beat to her own drum and done what she wanted to do and never seemed to get caught up in what everybody else was doing. Um, she is in Nashville. She is a child-free woman um, who, you know, when I, we talked about that off air, she, you know, she's like, I was always more focused on other things than having kids. Um, she's recently married. We talked about that as they were planning their wedding um, during the pandemic and we're not married when we talked, but I have since been married. So congrats to her and her husband. Um, but again, she's on fire to help women lead their best life. So obviously we share this purpose. So I hope you enjoy this podcast just as much as I did. Hello, Tracy. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks Holly for having me. I'm excited. Yes. Um, I don't know about you, but it feels like a, like another lifetime ago that we actually met. And now we're all in new places. So it feels, it feels like that was not even my life sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. I'm, but I'm so happy I met you. Yes, I agree. Um, I've always admired you. And even though we haven't always been in constant contact, I always felt like you're kind of a kindred spirit. It's kind of, kind of, we share this same vibe to encourage other women to really step into their truth and to live their best self. So I'm so excited you're here with me today. Same. Yeah. Again, that's what brings us together is that we just want to help people. And I think that's why when we talk, it's like no time has passed because we just want to help people. And then that draws us together. Absolutely. Absolutely. We all wear the same, we wear the same Jersey, right? (laughs) (laughs) Well, awesome. Well, why don't you kind of share, I, you know, in the intro, I mentioned how we had met, you know, Oklahoma city a long time ago and we're both working in sports, but why don't you kind of give the audience just a little bit more of a, your background? Sure. A lot of people think that, you know, I was born an extrovert and that this is um, something that I just happened to be, but it was actually a very learned trait. I'm actually an introvert and I was very shy when I was growing up. Um, I did whatever my brothers were doing. I did everything that my dad was doing. So I played a lot of sports. We did woodworking. We worked on cars, Um, but I was just very shy and just trying to figure out, you know, where was my place in life. And um, as I graduated college, I went to a tiny college because I came from a tiny town and I was afraid to kind of do anything bigger. And then I was trying to find a job after uh, college and I ended up in Chicago and it was um, very intimidating. But when I got there, I was like, whoa, this is who I'm supposed to be. And through that time living in Chicago, I really just kind of grew into who I was and a a learned extrovert um, because I worked in marketing and and just always had to be talking to people. And then again, we met down in Oklahoma City and and continue to try and build that kind of that voice for people that may not have had one. And I felt like when I was a kid, I didn't necessarily have a voice and I was ready to give other people a voice and then went on to the NCAA and um, down into Nashville now. And just, again, always just drawn to the people who need a voice, who just need a little bit of help. And so I think that all comes back to, again, my family and and that work ethic and just everything that we used to do together. Um, They let me figure out who I was instead of telling me who I should be. Mm. I love it. And it's so interesting because it seems like, and I've had this realization even with myself, it's like every career path I've had has like equipped me to tell stories, right? Like I've always been drawn to that, which sounds like very similar to you is like helping people tell their stories, even from a younger age. 
Yes, 100%. And I was um, a journalism major. I always wanted to be a writer. Well, actually, I wanted to play sports, but I got cut from my high school soccer team. And instead of trying out again, I just kind of, again, retreated and was like, oh, I guess I'm not good enough. And so I still wanted to be part of that team. So I started to write. Mm. And so always mm. telling a story and ha having people be able to share their, again, share their voice was something that happened just um, accidentally, but it was really um, inside of me all along. Oh, how cool. That's super cool. So, and I know, you know, you've been, you've done branding strategy work for over 20 years, really working with high-performing humans and organizations. So it felt kind of like a no-brainer for us to kind of talk about our conversation about really kind of building your personal brand and how do you do that, especially through times of chaos and change, like we're all going through. Um, so before we begin, maybe share, like, I know we know brands like Nike or Google or Amazon, but what defines like a personal brand for somebody? For me, when I work with people, just your personal brand is who you want to be, the life you want to live. And so I always start off asking people, what do they think their brand is? And then have them do an exercise where they go out and actually ask people if they believe that that's the same brand. Um, but really, yeah, it's your story. It's it's what you want to do in your life. And, and a lot of times it's just those three or four core elements that define that path. And so a lot of people look for their dream job and they get stuck into the well, someone said to go this way and then we do that and then we do that. When really it's, you start to, you're always evolving. Your story is always changing depending on what characters come into it and what experiences you have. So being able to adjust with that and say, oh, you know what? I thought I wanted to be that, but really at the core of me, my brand is this and, and now I want to go down this path. And so that's really for me, just your, it's your story and it's where you want to go with that story. Mm, right. So the um for you like your brand is who you identify with and how you get your brand across can kind of change that yes. kind of accurate yeah yes because you know again who I was when I was in high school and even my first few years into the real world that's a completely different person than I am now because I did I evolved I learned what I love to do what the things were to have um, that perfect life. What would like, where do I, it was not just a job. It was, where do I want to live? It's, you know, mm -hmm. who do I want to be with, um, who are my friends, who are my inner circle, who are that board of directors. And so that all changes the people who I was friends with in high school. You know, I talked to some of them still, but they're not that integral part of my life anymore um, because again, you move on and, and you have different interests. And so just who you surround yourself again, those characters make such a difference in those experiences too. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I know, you know, when we had talked um, kind of in this pre-interview, we talked about kind of the really three takeaways you'd love to share just based off your experience of kind of, you know, living your life by your truth. And we talked about three elements that I kind of want to go ahead and dig into. And you had talked about how the fear of failure slash success really played um, into your development. Um, share a little bit more about that first time you noticed that it wasn't just fear of failure, but it was fear of success. Yes. So I was always trained, you know, because I have these crazy ideas, the rooted in strategy, but they were always like, people like, oh, wow, you're, you're oh, what? And so <laughs> I've never really been afraid to fail because I've, I felt like I had a plan to put it together, but a lot of people were. And I noticed that that was holding me back, that people were scared of things. And so I've always tried to, you know, 
make sure that people feel, again, it affects me but in the job I was doing, but now when I'm helping clients to make sure that they're not letting fear of um, failure hold them back. However, a couple of years ago, a friend of mine was doing a group training and so many people said that they were actually afraid of success. And that had never dawned on me ever because I was always working to try and make sure it was a success. But so to be able to talk to them about how they really were like, well, I don't know if I can handle success. What if it's too big? What if it's not what I thought it was? What if I can't keep up with it type of thing? And that's when I was like, wow, that's just a whole nother part of life I never even thought about. Mm. Once you had that realization, did you look back on any part of your life and see maybe where that would have been a fear for you? No, I didn't. And I yeah. really say that because I actually did. I was like, man, was there any it's ever a time that I thought success would hold me back? And no, it's still very foreign to me as much as I talk to so many of these clients and just people in general, because it's a fascinating question to me. I ask it to mm-hmm. a lot of random people. Like it's, instead of having small talk at a party, I ask random questions. And n- no, like I never was afraid of being <laughs> successful. That's always what I wanted to do. So again, I know I'm a little bit different from other people, but I hope that that's the reason that I I can help them. Yeah, no, absolutely. And what is, you know, you talk about like helping people. What I know you've done some, like you work, you've worked around dating, personal development. What are um, the key maybe insights you've seen when people are dealing with fear of failure or success? Yeah, I said, I don't get into too much of the mental side. I do have a couple of friends who help me with that. Like you said, with, with dating, especially because there's so much that you bring into dating, um, again, based on those experiences, if someone's cheated on you or mm-hmm. you've been stood up on dates or whatever it might be, that's a, that's too much for me. Um, I really, so I spend the time really focusing on just kind of the plan, the action, the solution. So um, mm-hmm. what got you here and how can we get around it, go through it, go over it? whatever that is, but that really, it's just about figuring out what is it that you want and how can we go and get that? And I do ask them, you know, what is holding you back? And I can kind of figure some of those things out, but for whether it's a job or a date or just the life that you want, a dream that you're going after, if it's weight loss, whatever it is, it's really just about figuring out what is, what are you capable of doing within the time that you have? What do you believe you can do? And and how can we make sure that we move forward every day? Like every day, we're just going to take one more step towards your goal. Right. No, absolutely. No, absolutely. It's baby, it's baby steps. steps. Yes. Always baby steps. That's what is intimidating for people. It's like, oh, I'm, I'll never be able to do all of that. Even when people, you know, work with artists and trying to get them on social media, some of them aren't really on social media. They're like, well, I don't really have anything to say. And I, I can't keep up with four different types of social media. And it's like, you don't have to be on all four, but you need to be on one. We got, let's start with one. Let's get you familiar with that. And then you'll start to see how it works. And then you'll be able to feel comfortable jumping on the ones again, that makes sense. So it's always just one step at a time. Um, yeah. I love that you talked about those baby steps. Cause I think oftentimes when we're going to make changes, I've seen it going to do everything and then you end up doing nothing. Um, and I don't think you build up that resilience to failure until you start making those baby steps. Definitely. When you look at it, you're like, wow, I have to go run a marathon. That's daunting. But if you're like, oh, I just need to run a mile today and two miles tomorrow and so on. It just, it, yeah, you know, you just build it up and you get ready for it. You prepare with everything you need to prepare. Right. No, absolutely. And, you know, we talked too, and that kind of brings us into the next part is like the power of a plan. Um, what kind of planner are you personally? 
<laughs> so I have a planner that I still write in. I use my electronic calendar. I've got, you know, different notes um, here and there where I do post-it notes too. So I really, for me, it's the, the action part of it because again, a lot of times people are like, oh, well, I forgot to do that yesterday. And so, but that puts you behind every day that you don't do something that puts you behind. It throws you off the plan that you said was going to work. And I'm all for adjusting, but again, being able to just keep everything together. I mean, I check things off a list. Sometimes if I did something that wasn't on my list, sometimes I write it down and then I check it off. <laughs> That's the kind of planner I am. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it. Like the, yeah. Well, it feels good to um, add what you've done, right? Cause you're like, well, I did do that. I did more than I thought I did. So you want to like, exactly. you want like some credit for it. <laughs> I do want credit. <laughs> Talk about, cause you know, you made some pr- like transitions from, you know, sports marketing and I know you're doing some, you know, stuff in the music industry, dating. How have plans helped you transition through life? Yeah. The thing with the plan is, is I put it together and it is very helpful to bounce it off of people. I love the devil's advocate person. My fiance is one of those people and being able to have that voice and that help. But at the same time, what really has been helpful to me is not listening to the things that if I don't agree with it, like if they really have to prove it to me, because I'm the only person that knows deep down every part of what I can do and what I'm capable of and that experience. So a lot of times that fear of failure, that fear of fear of success that you're feeling is because someone in your life is scared for you. And so they can bring that onto you. And then now you get scared because they don't know what you know and what you're capable of. And so I say that you need people around you, but at the same time, if you believe in something, go after it and don't let their inner voice and their fear there. And it's not, they're trying to, they love you. That's why they say these things. It's not because they're trying to hold you down. Maybe some people are, but in theory, people are really just um, trying to keep you safe. And for me, that power of the plan was saying I was going to do something. And if someone made a face like, oh, you're going to do that, then be like, yeah, I am going to do that. And it's going to work. And here's why. Um, Again, making sure that if you have a crazy idea or you have a grand dream, that it still is rooted in strategy. But really just being able to believe in yourself and, and figure out, okay, well, why are you scared about that part for me? And then try to, again, figure out what's the why and then be able to go around through over whatever um, that kind of thing is. So putting the plan together, having those steps, um, listening to people, listening to yourself, paying attention and adjusting is definitely a big part of that. Um, But really just checking back in with yourself because as you grow, what is still important to me? As you mentioned that I've I've changed industries, but it all kind of still makes sense to me. When I go and speak on panels or I do a presentation, people are like, dating, sports, music, not-for-profits, what is happening right now? So I'm able to tell my story and they can see it by the end. But a lot of times people are like, well, why would you do that? Like when I left, I worked at a university in Chicago and I moved, as you know, to Oklahoma City to work for a tiny sports marketing agency. When there was a million large ones in uh, Chicago, I decided to go to Oklahoma because again, they needed me. They needed some strategy. There are people that I cared about that work there. Their clients are people I truly cared about. And so I went there and people said, oh, you'll never get back on campus again. You'll never work in the sports industry again. You're going to be stuck. You're going to be labeled as an agency person. And my next job was at the NCAA where I was able to help literally every school in the country in college athletics. And so it actually, people were reaching out to me all the time asking me if I would come work on their campus. So again, these people were scared for me, but I knew that 
I was going to be able to make the life that I wanted if I made this move. So again, having the plan and not always knowing exactly where it's going to lead you, but believing in yourself and again, checking in with yourself, what's important to you now um, is really something that is, is actually at the core of, of making sure a plan can succeed. Yeah, absolutely. How, you know, how have you like, you know, you, um, how do you tie in your values to when you're planning, making plans? Like, how do you make sure your values are tied in like you personally or tied into your brand? Yeah. I mean, I'm so just active in blogging and on social media and I talk to clients every day. So I'm very in Mm -hmm. tune with, and again, I'm writing everything down. Like I'm very in tune with what I'm trying to do. Um, and I take a step back every once in a while and say, okay, what is this step going to get me closer to? Is it keeping me where I want to be? Is, is this still where I want to be? So I'm just, I'm so actively talking about it. I, a lot of times I ask people, you know, we'll write down a journal or again, use some social media and then you can get some feedback from people and being able to say, okay, is this, is this really who you want to be? Is this really where you want to go? And I mentioned that a little bit earlier is that, you know, when people introduce me, if it's a friend or a relative or a colleague, you know, what are the three descriptors? Because usually people will say, oh, this is, you know, Tracy, she's, she's a marketing guru. She's super fun to be with and always has a positive thing to say. And then I'm like, okay, cool. That's what I want people to think about mm-hmm. me. So the things I'm doing are representing that. So I'm always checking in on that. I'm always listening to what people are saying about me. I, when I post something on Facebook, I'm listening to the comments that they're saying to make sure they see me. I want people to really see me. I know, especially on social media, people are like, oh, people are just pretending they have great lives. And maybe people are. But for me, I use it just as a tracker. You know, you get those pop-ups for memories that say, oh, a year ago you were doing this. I was like, you know what? A year ago I was doing that and I was really happy about that. Am I still doing that? Should I still be doing that? So I'm always checking in with myself. And if people can find just maybe one or two ways to check in and make sure that what they want to do is what they're doing now is getting them where they want to, where they think they want to be. Again, you change all the time, but just really checking in with yourself. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, you know, we talk about really trusting yourself and checking in. Um, Where did you kind of get that um, awareness that that's something that was important to you? Well, we actually came, I was being introduced by a friend who was still worked in the sports industry and he introduced me and he said, like, similar, like, oh, marketing guru, uh, really creative, and the last one to to leave the room or something like that. And I was like, well, that is true. I love to talk to everyone, and I'm, I'm not going to be the first one to leave because I just lo- I love that energy. I love being around people. Again, a learn trait because then I need to go back to my room and, like, <laughs> just re- mm-hmm. regroup. But the way he said it, it kind of made me think like, you know, life of the party and kind of irresponsible. He didn't mean it that way because he, he's a friend of mine. And so we have, you know, had a couple drinks here and there. And so he knows like the social side of me, but I felt like it wasn't appropriate to say at that moment. And I felt like, okay, what am, am I doing kind of differently? So going back to social media, I'd be like, oh, okay, I was at a networking event, but the picture we took, I had a champagne glass in my hand. So maybe the next time I post the picture, I don't put the, the drink in my hand. And is because that's not the, the that's not my brand. My brand isn't, you know, to go out and drink and, and be crazy. It's to be social. And sometimes you grab a drink when you're social. And so that was the moment that I was like, man, I need to check in with myself and make sure that I'm portraying me the way I am. And so, yeah, it, it was really that moment. I, mean, I think that was about seven years ago. Oh, interesting. Okay. That was just kind of your aha moment of, <laughs> hey, yeah. people are watching. <laughs> Yeah. And just be, like how closely they're watching because I like, I was just like, I'm really not like, I don't, 
don't like stand up and tell, like if I'm in a room, I don't try and get 50 people around and tell a story. I try to tell a story to like two or three people. So I'm not that person who commands a room. And I don't also don't want people to come to me and say, oh, you know, so-and-so said that, that you can command the room and you're the life of the party. And we want you to speak at this convention of a thousand people because that's not, I mean, I'm sure I could do it, but like, that wasn't what I was trying to do. I was trying to individually help people that one-on-one. -on -one. I don't, so yeah, it just wasn't, it didn't resonate with me and it really stuck. And that's when I was like, oh, what were the things that led me here? And just how little of a thing can make someone think something about you? Mm. Yeah. One little thing can kind of shift yeah. somebody's perspective. Exactly. Um, and obviously you're, you know, you'd mentioned so being social is important to you, being positive is important to you. How do you balance, um, you know, fun and spontaneity and like a plan? Because those are, can sometimes be two conflicting values. <laughs> that is a really good point. And I learned how to do that when I first was working in the sports industry. I was in Oklahoma City with you and I decided to start a blog about dating um, and how dating and marketing are kind of similar, how I was using a lot of my same advice in that I'd learned in work to try and get dates in Oklahoma, which was really hard, <laughs> as you may remember for me. <laughs> um, and so when I was kind of comparing those, I really had to decide, okay, am I going to split my personalities and have the dating over here and then have my professional side, or am I just going to be who I am? And so that, as I tried to figure that out, I was sharing everything. Again, I would go and speak about sports on a panel and they would introduce me and say, oh, and she is a Chicago Tribune blog about dating because they thought it was interesting. Well, then some of the questions people would ask me, oh, well, what about dating and how, and how does that kind of correlate to what you're doing. And so there wasn't a way to separate it. And that's when I just had to kind of again go with kind of the flow. So I have a plan, but I also, again, I'm in tune with what is resonating with people and what is helping me really share who I am altogether. So I, I am pretty loose um, as far as I, I love a strategy, but a lot of times I'm like, I can get another idea and another half idea, another half idea. And, and I just kind of, I can, I can adjust as well for sure. I love that because I think it's interesting too. You you talk about like there's because I think all of us are multifaceted faceted people, right? Like you've got like different pieces you're known as, and it's it's always an interesting balance to blend them into one person. You know, it's like you're speaking on your blog about sports stuff, sports stuff. You're speaking about your blog, so it's always an interesting uh, balance for people to kind of meld those two together. I think if you're multifaceted. Yes, definitely. Like I said, and people are like dating, sports, music, nonprofit. I don't get it. And I'm like, let me tell right. you about it. <laughs> yeah, it's just me. Well, <laughs> and, you know, the last thing, which is so big, and I've been watching from afar you doing this, is really talking about like pivoting, but really staying true to who you are. Um, you and you can share more on this, but you've really been a lot of pivoting over the past like what six months around a wedding. Yes. <laughs> So much pivoting. <laughs> so yeah, so tell, share a little more if you're comfortable with it, just kind of what your plans were and kind of what you're up to now with like kind of pivoting your wedding plans. Yes, definitely. And no surprise, I have a video blog about us pivoting because I just actually had about nine, we had about nine weddings to go to this year. Right now there's only oh. one left. Um, everyone else has changed dates or did it via Zoom and didn't invite people and that kind of stuff. So um, there's only one real wedding that is staying true to who they were and they actually got engaged during quarantine so they were in it to win it they knew what they were getting into um but besides that it's us and so many people were coming to me and just even um people just you know online and people i didn't know or friends of friends were like you have to talk 
to Tracy because she and her fiance are like just so positive and still so happy. And every time something gets thrown at them, they just, again, go around or through um, above and, and all of those things. And so um, just being able to, again, you go back to the core. And this is what I say to my fiance is like, okay, what are the three things that are really important to us? For this wedding, yeah, maybe we had some thoughts as we were growing up or in the last two years. We're like, oh, this is what we want to do. But it really is at the core, what do you want it to make you happy? And for me, it was to have my dad walk me down the aisle as I talked about the reason I played sports, the reason I did woodworking, the reason I worked on cars was because my dad worked a lot. And Saturday and Sundays were the times that we had together, but he was always working in the shop and doing, you know, building things for my mom and things like that. And so like those were the times that we had together. And so that is, and my mom obviously is gonna, is a huge part too. I always feel bad. So I'm like, I want my dad to walk me down the aisle, but obviously I want my mom there too. And she's the reason that he's going to be there um, and be able to be there with me. And so that was a big one. And then it was, you know, again, just being able to have the, the friends that are really close to us now. And so when we thought about it, we thought, well, then why does it matter where we get married? If we care about our family and our friends, then we should move it back to the Midwest and be able to figure out a way to do that. So we had originally, I have a friend, mentor, amazing woman who offered up her house on Martha's Vineyard. And we thought, wow, there's no way we'd ever be able to afford this. What a dream. What a blessing last year when she told us that. And we've been planning and planning and planning. And then, you know, they were like, oh, you have to quarantine for 14 days or show up a positive or a negative test um, for COVID. And I was, and I have a client that works with PPE. So I was able to get the test kits and they would be self-administered and I could send them as wedding favors ahead of time and everyone would feel safe and everything would be great. And, and then it was like, oh, the final straw was really, they moved it down from a hundred people at a gathering to 50. And we had 125 people committed with flights and we couldn't just uninvite 75 people. And again, we went back to that core and said, the people are everything. The location, yeah, what a dream. Like, man, couldn't have, couldn't have even imagined something so amazing, but that wasn't the part of the core. The core was the people and the family. So we just, again, we pivoted and we're super happy. But then again, we have, um, Greg is from Indianapolis. We live in Nashville. Uh, so then we were like, okay, well, Indianapolis has a cap of 50 and Nashville has a cap of 25 right now. How do we get all these people here? So we've just been, again, trying to figure things out. But what we're going to do is going to get married in Indianapolis, have a, a brunch reception, and then we're going to jump on a tour bus because <laughs> those are still available. As I work with artists, plenty of tour bus available. Going to jump on the tour bus with a couple of you know people in the wedding party and head down to Nashville and have a second half of that wedding reception and, and really be able to see everyone. So in order to make it happen, happen, we had to go on the road. So before we were going to have this nice, you know, relaxing Martha's Vineyard wedding. And now we're going to have like a 14 hour wedding reception where we're on the road for five hours. So, um, oh my gosh, that's so cool. <laughs> so definitely change, but we're like, oh, okay, but we'll stop in Bardstown because, you know, my fiance and everyone I know loves bourbon because we live in Nashville. So we're going to stop at a distillery and break up the trip a little bit. And then we're going to get to Nashville and just be with the people that, you know, we've really become so close to over the last two years. So it's definitely, it's like completely different, but we're just, it's, we're happy about it. We're excited about it again, because again, we're, we get to see everybody we want to see. Absolutely. And like, is that how you've kind of maintained your uh, positive outlook and forward momentum is just kind of by focusing on those like three things that really matter to you? Yes. Every time that I have any question, I'm like, go back to the core, go back to the core. And for me, I think again, my brain 
is, and it's, it's funny because I do dating and I told you, I don't really do like the mental side of that. And I'm not the, I'm not necessarily a rah-rah cheerleader. I'm a solutions based. What's the problem? How do we fix it? And I think that's, what's kept me going because I see it. I'm like, good, throw me another challenge. What do you got? You didn't believe I could do that. You didn't believe I could play soccer. You didn't believe I could do this. Like I'm here and I can do that. You didn't think I could do public speaking because I would, you know, refused to do like the readings when I was in grade school, I was too nervous to read them. So I would like, just, I don't know, just ball up into the corner and not, and not do the readings. And so now I'm like, well, now I can do this. I learned how to do this. What's the obstacle? What's the plan? And I'm just a really competitive person. And when someone tells me I can't do something, I'm like, yeah, I can. And I'm gonna do it better than I was before. Mm. So obviously, like you said, it's a totally different wedding than y'all thought. Is the excitement, have you found the excitement to be the same as you were about getting married in Martha's Vineyard? Yes. Like I said, we, and again, I do a little bit of uh, mental uh, things, mental health with a friend of mine, and she's actually going to help me plan this, the Nashville part of it. Um, and she's a therapist and she always tells me you have to mourn something before you can move on. And it sounds silly, but she's like, you have to mourn the wedding you thought you were going to have and you have to embrace the new one. And that's what we did. We said, okay, we're not going to go to Martha's Vineyard to get married, but we're going to go there on our one year anniversary and we'll, everyone's invited, whoever wants to come and we'll just do it that way. And so we mourned what we originally thought so we could move on. And yeah, we're just, we're super excited because every time we start to talk about it. We're just like, Oh, well, we could do this and we can do this. And it's, it's just getting um, yeah, super fun. Oh, I love that. And I, I'm like so on board with that morning. And I don't think that we allow ourselves to mourn things that aren't as big as like a death or like loss of a company, you know, these really big mourning situations. Um, but especially during this time, there's all these losses. I love that you've kind of really said, Hey, let's mourn what we have, but move forward. Yes, always. And actually, when I was at Northwestern, the football coach who's still there now, Coach Fitzgerald, always after a loss, you know, the reporters always like, what are you going to do differently? And well, you know, whatever. And just always trying to get that like quote from like really razz mm -hmm. him up. And he would always be like, I've flushed that game. We flushed it. It's over. We're on. We're talking about this week. If you have questions for this week, I'd love to field those. But we flushed last week. And mm. that stuck with me too. I think, again, that's more the sports and more like action oriented rather than the feeling side. Cause I'm not a big feeler, but um, yeah, I was like, just flush it, mourn it. It's okay. You know, it's okay to take that moment and say, you know, what could I have done differently? How could I be better? But then to really just focus on moving forward, learning from it again, that's back to the failure. If people want to just sit there and talk about all the failure and oh, how it's like, no, what did I learn from it? And how can that make me better? Cause you just, you learn so much. If you were perfect, um, or always, everything was always falling into place. You don't learn as much. And so failure is actually a really great way to get better and, and grow. So yeah, be, think about it, move on. I love it. Flush it, flush it, be done <laughs> yeah. with it. Yeah. Well, and I know I shared because we were, you know, expecting a lot of family to come over and friends and travel. And I was having, like, it was really sad. And that was funny. I kind of just like had that moment. I was like, I'm just going to mourn this. I'm going to be really sad. I'm going to say all the things that I feel very frivolous saying about my loss. And then I'm going to move on. <laughs> yes. But it's like you sit in it and you're mad and you're fr frustrated. And you're like, it shouldn't be like this. What if it was different? And you're like, well, that's just not where we're living right now. So right. <laughs> exactly. Let's, that's exactly it. Work on it and get over it. Yeah. And again, yeah. It, it, for some people, it can take a day. For others, it can, mm -hmm. you know, for me, I was like, okay, it's not going to be Martha's Vineyard, but my dad's going to be there. And for me, it was instant. Mm -hmm. I was like, my dad's going to be there and it's going to yeah. be easy for him to get there. It's going to be awesome. I can't even believe it's happening. Um, and so I, it was easy for me. 
to turn that corner. But Greg, it took a minute because he was like, man, that was going to be so great. And I was mm -hmm. like, hey, and now we're going to jump on a tour bus. And he's like, what is happening? And so, you know, three or four days later, he's like, I'm on board. And, he, and then he got excited, but it took him a little bit longer than me um, to get there. And that's okay. Yeah, for sure. Do you, do you think you can lead a successful, happy life without the ability to pivot? Ooh, <laughs> I mean, again, I'm bold. I say what I think. And no, you can't. I mean, you can't. If yeah. you just go down that road that you think that you're always supposed to go on, you're going to miss so much. You're not going to know what else was out there. And I know I shared with you before is that, you know, my brother got married young and supported his wife and put her through school and, and all of these things. And then, you know, it was going to be his turn to really you know, live the life that he wanted and they ended up getting divorced and, you know, you don't have to talk about divorce and what happens there, but like that he then had different struggles that he didn't anticipate before. And he, he never really got his footing back to be able to say, mm -hmm. this is the life I want. And that's really one of the things that has driven me is that I, cause he was always so happy cause we're a happy family. Like we're just happy. And I never knew cause we have eight years difference between us and he got married so young kind of, you know, we were still, we were close, but not like I wasn't in his life and I was the little sister, you know, and now it's um, at the time I was like, okay, well, I didn't realize, oh, you want to do this. You want to do this. And so mm -hmm. we'll just go and do those things. And I remember it was his 40th birthday and we had um, a bunch of my friends were going up to the Cubs game up at Milwaukee. We had 10 cars. We were in a caravan and it was his 40th birthday and he just happened to be up in Milwaukee with his friend. And I said, Hey, we have an extra ticket if you want to come. And we literally were the second car in the caravan. His friend dropped him at the top of an overpass. We picked him up. He jumps into this car with a bunch of people he doesn't know and me. And we jump back into the caravan. We park. We tailgate for the game. We're playing. You know, we do corn to cornhole tournament with like a bracket and everything. And he just turns to me and he's like, this is the best birthday I've ever had. And for mm -hmm. me, that was just another Saturday. It wasn't even any. We just were like, hey, who wants to go to the game? Who wants to go to the game? And I just remember that look in his eyes like, wow, this is, this is the best birthday ever. And so oh. I just wanted him. Yeah. I just wanted him to have every birthday to be so great. And so that's kind of where it came to me. I was like, man, there are people who are not living their dreams who look like they're happy and they're, but they could be doing more and you, you probably are happy, but like you could be doing more. And how can I help you do that? Oh, absolutely. Do you, um, when, how, how long ago was that moment when you had that, like, like that realization on his birthday it was about 10 years ago 10 years ago yes. did you feel a shift at that time like in your intentions and your motivation yes because that's actually when I decided right around the time that I decided to leave Northwestern and go down to Oklahoma and I was mm -hmm. like oh there's so much more that I could be doing I, I mean it was great I love oh, so many great student athletes and people and students that came through at Northwestern and I, I never I was there 13 years I never left because I was like, this is the best. Like I'm helping so many people, but the thought of being able to go to an agency and help even more people um, was really what I wanted to do. And that's really, yeah, it was that, it was around that time where I was like, man, I mean, there are people out there that I could really, if I wasn't so, I mean, I, you know, working in sports, you're just like, go, go, go. I mean, there was a time that we worked um, 67 straight days um, in the fall as the sports overlapped. And I was like, I don't have time to help anyone else. I'm really just helping this really small group right here. And so, yeah, that was really a pivotal moment where I was like, man, I need to be doing more because I guess felt like, yeah, I mean, again, I have a different way of thinking about things and, and really, I feel like I could really could just push people to do things that maybe they were afraid to do. Um, if they didn't have someone, you know, kind of telling them that it was okay. Oh, yes, 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 yes. 
you know, and talking through like, you know, working from just all these different kind of like industries, what is a, and these industries that kind of have like really like high performing people, right? Like sports, um, musicians, what, um, what is a common thread you see with those individuals? (laughs) Perfectionism. Um, I was just with one of my artists yesterday. She did a podcast and then we went on the radio radio for her and she, you know, she's always tuning her guitar, always tuning her guitar and it's never good enough. The guitar is never good enough. And I wish that I was more musically inclined to tell her that it sounds fine, but I'm not. So I just have to kind of trust with trust that it's not good enough. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's just, it's perfectionism. They want to make sure that every song is right. They want to make sure every story they tell is right. They want to make sure every post is right. And sometimes that cripples them to be like, okay, well, I can't look at my makeup or look at my hair. It's like, that that's okay. That's what you look like right now. This is what you're yeah. doing right now. And I'm posting this video. And so um, Chancey Neal, who I was specifically was with yesterday has come such a long way. We've been working together for about over a year now. And she really, a lot of people had, you know, in the music industry, it's tough and said, Oh, well, you need to look like this, or you need to, you know, mm-hmm. do this and whatever. And, and she started to listen to them. It sounded like um, years ago. And I was like, why are you listening to them? Like, you have one of the best voices I've ever heard. Again, I'm not a, a, a talent scout of any any means, but she, I, everyone is like, wow, she's great. And it was just that she just needed a plan. She just needed to start getting back on social media. She started needing to start putting music out. And she needed to stop caring what other people thought. Mm-hmm. And so we had a great moment about, I don't know, about two months ago. And we just went out. We wanted to support a small business here in Nashville as, you know, we hit, got hit by a tornado right before covid um, and so we wanted to you know, go out, be safe, but, be, but support some of these businesses that were able to open back up. And I took a picture of her. She was getting ready to go work construction with her husband because she's out of work as a musician for the most part at that point, you know, with touring. And so she's like, I'm, I got to do something and I'm going to go help my husband. I'm going to work in construction. So she's wearing like, you know, ratty clothes, her hair's pulled back. She's got crazy sunglasses on and she's eating a bunch of chicken because we're supporting, you know, Nashville hot chicken. And I took a picture and I took one picture and I was like, okay, I'm going to post this. And I turned it around to her and she was like, okay. And I'm like, okay, you you want me to put a filter on it? You want me to cut anything, whatever? And she's like, I don't care anymore. And I like had the Mm. biggest like smile on my face. I was just like, oh, she doesn't care anymore. (laughs) So um, it was, it's those moments where you're just like, yes, do what you need to do, be who you want to be. And that's when you're going to really start to thrive. So a really long story to tell you that perfectionism is what holds people back. And a lot of the clients that I have, because they are afraid, again, afraid to fail, afraid to succeed, whatever it is, they just want everything to be perfect. And you actually, you don't need to be, and you shouldn't be like people really gel with that authenticity of, Oh, you're a real person. Oh, you do eat fried chicken in a a ripped (laughs) t-shirt. Great. Yes, people crave that authenticity, especially in a world where there are filters and there are like we get to choose what we put out in the world, right? Like good and bad. Yes. Um, and I, it's so funny because growing up, I thought being a perfectionist was like a good trait. And it's like not. <laughs> the older you get, you're like, it's just fear and fancy clothes. That's all it is. Like it's a pretty way to say you're scared. And I, I think it's like, I mean, I think there's a difference between that and like honing your craft, you know, like you're an mm-hmm. athlete or a surgeon, like that's a little bit different. Um, but I think for a lot of us, and especially as high performers, people who want to do good, like we're like, oh, I'm just a perfectionist. You're like, no, you're just scared. Yeah. Judgment of failing, of like screwing something up. Like it's all that is, right? And it's like that I had that aha moment probably a year or two ago and I was like, oh shit, 
That's what I'm doing. I'm just being a scaredy cat. (laughs) (laughs) That is perfect. I've never put it that way before. I love that fancy way to say scared. (laughs) It is. It's like, oh, it's fancy. So tell, so you're working in the music industry and I know you're still doing some branding. What are, what's keeping you busy these days? Yes. All of the things. Um, I think again, that I keep getting these clients and recommendations just, you know, from people or things that I'm posting because because of that authenticity, like I'm just mm-hmm. so happy about things that I'm able to do with these clients and, and share the stories. And again, it all just goes back to that branding and what is your dream and how can you get there? So mm-hmm. I think that by telling each story when I'm like, oh, you know, Chancey's doing this and, you know, I'm working with UNICEF and, and we're doing this and being able to share kind of what I'm working on people can, that resonates with them. And so I, I've been working on a lot with the musicians. I started with Chancey just out of you know, I just, I met her, I asked her to do an event. I heard her sing once and I was like, Hey, can you do this event for me? And when we got to talking, I was like, Oh, this girl, she needs confidence. She needs to be doing more. Mm-hmm. And unsolicited, I was like, let me help you. Um, and from there, you know, her friends will say, Oh, do you think Tracy can help me with this? Or can I ask her this? And, and from there, just more artists have reached out and said, um, you know, Hey, can you help me? And, and so we've been doing a lot of um, getting some more clients and it's all those independent people. We're just trying to get the people who are work hard, work hard but give them mm. the tools they need on the marketing side and that branding side mm. because because a lot of times people are doing it themselves because they can't afford someone. And when they do that, that means they can't spend the time writing the songs that they need to be writing and then getting that creativity out that they need. So we make it super affordable um, because I, again, I'm I'm not here for the money. I am here for the dreams, and I want to make sure people are living those and they're being able to get there. And so we're probably the cheapest in town for you know. I mean, I have an intern and um, a marketing assistant now, but you know, she has you know a year or two experience. I have 22 years of experience, and so if you were to pay for me in real life, it would be expensive. But that's just that's not who I am. That's not what I'm trying to do. Again, back to my core goal is that my goal isn't to make money. My goal is to make dreams, and so. That continue to get more people jumping on board on the music side, you know, with the reputation in sports, same thing where it's like, oh, you know, she's done all these things. Um, Let's, you know, have her kind of work on that. And again, at a very affordable rate. And from there, that's, I think, what kind of brought the not for profits around because they don't have a ton of money and they know I have this heart of I don't care. I don't care how much money you have. I just want to help you. Um, And the same again with the dating side. People pay for, you know, to be on some of these sites or have personal matchmakers. And I've done some of that as well. Um, but it's really just, I want to teach you how to do this, how to get that first date and how to continue to tell your story. And then you're on your own. I'm not trying to have a dating client. If I have a dating client for more than a year, I haven't done my job. Like I want to teach them how to do this. So um, that's really what it is, is yeah, I just, it, it all kind of organically happens. I don't do any advertising. It's all just kind of sharing what I do. And one person tells another person tells another person. Mm. Well, I think it's so interesting that, um, like I said, I think our paths are very similar in that, like, I went from, you know, like, um, working in college athletics to, you know, ABC sports and did a non, or excuse me, like a, um, Olympic movement. And then I got into like healthcare business development. Now I'm doing coaching and it seems very odd. People are like, I'm sorry, what have you done? But it's like staying, like my values are like, um, helping and telling stories and like asking questions so it's like so interesting like I've always had that core piece it's just how I've utilized it has been different which I feel like is what you're saying right like you've always had the piece to help or like that always stays the same and I think it's such a great lesson to people to hear to be like what is at your core you're good at what do you love to do and it doesn't have to just be in one thing 
yeah like no exactly expands like you could still because when I look at my history like it's pretty like it's the same <laughs> skill sets and what I've liked over and over it's just looks it's in different outfits <laughs> it <looks laughs> yeah different yeah, it's funny you say that because at no point did I think it was weird because I remember, I saw you like I would watch you on Facebook and LinkedIn and see where what you were doing and like I said when we talked about how great I think that what you're doing right now you're doing it so well you're doing it to the level that I see all these other people doing it and I at no point was like well that's a weird move because again I saw you at your core I saw what you were trying to yeah. do I knew you and. Um, yeah, I think that again, people get kind of stuck in, okay, well, I'm supposed to climb the ladder here, here and here. Yeah. I, I pick sports. That's what I'm going to do. I said, when I told people I was going to work in the music industry, they're like, you'll never get in there. And I was like, okay, well just wait a minute. Watch me. Yeah, you'll see. <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Cause it's like, you still are tied to what you're good at, what your passions are. And that can go most anywhere. Yeah. And again, it goes back to where you live. Like we lived in Indianapolis when I was at the NCAA and my first final four was here in Nashville for women's basketball. And I'm like, oh yeah, this is the city I want to live in. So my next move was about personal. It was like, I'm going to move for a city I want to be in. Indianapolis was nice, but like I love music and I love being able to go and do something any night of the week and and really just have a good time again, because I'm I'm alive for the party. Um, But I just like to be out and doing things. And so that next move was Nashville. Well, I'm not even kidding. Like you can't get in an Uber without like someone saying, Oh, I produced the song. You want to hear it? Not even knowing that I'm in music, just in general, they're so excited about what they're doing. And Aww. like, you'll be like, Oh, what, what do you care what music you listen to? You know how the Uber driver just would say that in any other city probably. And you're like, Oh, I don't care, man. And then here in Nashville, like, awesome. This is my new demo. What do you think? And again, they don't, <laughs> they don't know me. They're just want to share their music with people. And so it was really hard not to be like, okay, I'm going to do music because it was a product of where I was. I just kept meeting people who I'm like, wait, why don't you, why don't you have anything on Spotify? I'm trying to find you on Spotify. They're like, oh, well, you know, I don't really know how to do that. I'm like, I know how to do that. Like, so that kind of stuff, it just really was, it was just more people that needed help and it didn't matter what industry they were in. They needed help. They had a big Mm -hmm. dream and I wanted to help them get there. Mm, And just being open to that, right? Because you very easily could have said, well, I'm just, that's what I do for sports. Right. just being open to that next best thing, right? You're like, ooh, Nashville. Like, ooh, let's go do this. Like, ooh, yeah, I, I mean, can help you. Yeah. Plenty of sports teams here in Nashville too, but it never crossed my mind to work for a sports team. I was like, I've kind of, I've, I'm still working, you know, consulting with some sports teams and that's amazing. Um, it's so much that sometimes people are like, oh, you're still working in sports because I've been posting so much about music lately because there aren't any sports. And I'm like, no, you guys, I'm still in sports too. Still doing sports. <laughs> so again, oh, that goes yeah. back to your core and your brand. I'm like, oh man, I need to post some more sports things here in a bit. So people don't forget that I actually work in sports too. Uh, sports, the hidden secret that there's so much hours put into working in sports. <laughs> the <laughs> yes. Nobody tells you. Yes. It's like, it's like you bide your time. You're like, that's a young man's game. <laughs> It is. And a lot of times, you know, people are like, oh, man, I wish we could hire more female, you know, uh, people and hire in that senior staff. And and I'm like, that's awesome. But it's not that people don't want to hire women in a senior staff position. It's that these women had to make a choice to have a family or work mm-hmm. in sports because again, I'm not, I mean, I'm not exaggerating when I said we worked almost two months straight when, uh, you know, every fall because, that's how many sports we had and they all overlapped. And if they were winning, we were working more and we were like, yeah, you're winning, but oh my gosh, am I ever going to get to sleep? And you host tournaments and, mm-hmm. and all those things. And so that's a lot of people that I talk to are, are these women who are like, I put in the time to, in this sports industry. I, I put my time in 
but now, you know, I don't want to lose that. I don't want to lose what I built, but I want to have a family yeah. and I can't. And so that's a lot of what it is too, is again, what, but what's at your core and let's figure it out and let's find a way for you to have the dream that you want. Mm, I love that. What, um, before we kind of wrap up, what dating, if somebody's listening and they're like looking for a partner, what, is there like one key piece of dating advice you would give? I know that's yeah. hard, yeah. but. No, it is. It's not. It's not hard. Mine is, again, we've talked about like the fear of failure and that is exactly what it is. Fear of rejection is the number one thing that keeps people from reaching out to someone or going on a date or going up and just talking to someone at the grocery store. Like I used to go to the grocery store in Chicago. I mean, I was really shopping, but I would say hello to every man. It didn't matter how old they were, you know, if they had a wedding ring on or not. I just said hi. I said, I was, I'm a trained extrovert. And so I would say hello. And, you know, some of these really hot guys would look at me like, why are you talking to me? Why are you talking to me? And you, I just, you just have to get over it. You have to realize Mm. that people mesh with different things. We're not all friends with everybody. We don't all connect with mentors the same way and and bosses and companies. And, and that's just who we are. We don't, we don't all love each other (laughs) and you just don't connect sometimes. But for me, that rejection. Like, again, I, I'm in sales. I would call up and try and sell Northwestern basketball tickets. We had never been to the NCAA tournament ever, like literally ever, like ever, ever. And I would call up and say, Hey, I saw you went to a couple of games last year. And they're like, yeah, I just bought your stupid three pack. Cause I wanted to see Michigan state. You guys are terrible. And they hang up on me and I'm like, <laughs> okay, well you're actually hurting my feelings for many reasons, but mostly because these are my student athletes and they're my, mm. they're my everything. And they're amazing people. And I can't believe you don't want to see them. But you just have to realize that not everyone, one, not everyone is kind. Um, and again, not everyone is on the same page as you, but just take the risk, go up and say hi to someone that you might not normally say hi to. And you never know, maybe they'll be nice. And if they're not nice, again, a lot of times people, when they're unkind, they have something going on in their lives too. And you can't take that personally. So again, my advice is just don't be afraid of rejection because saying hi to someone can really sometimes change their day. I know that, you know, every, anytime I see like a woman who has like a really cute dress on or her hair, I'm just like, how did you do that? Your hair, it's beautiful. Aww. And you just, if you don't go say that to a stranger, like you, you make their day. And so I just, the more that you can get out there and just talk to people and, and kind of just spread kindness. I think hopefully this, this dating world will turn around where it won't be rude. Uh, people won't mm-hmm. be rude to you when you just randomly talk to them at the grocery store, or if you're at a bar um, watching a game and saying, Oh, you're a Cubs fan too. And have them not be like, don't talk to me. <laughs> so fear of rejection, just, just let it roll off your back again, mourn the loss <laughs> and move <Yeah>. on. <laughs> well, it's like my, uh, my brother was like, he's getting back into the dating scene after he's not doing it. And he's like, he like one, one day he's like his first date. So he was like, it didn't go well. I'm like, dude, you haven't dated. Like it's a numbers game. You got to like go out there, right? Like, like you're not going to hit a home run every at bat. Like, are you going to be dating? Yes. But it, I love Total that too. Like get that, like that fear of rejection. Cause like if somebody doesn't say hi to you at the grocery store, that shouldn't wreck your world. Right. You're like, eh, no. just flex yeah. that muscle. <laughs> yeah, it should not. And then like uh, vice versa, you know, there's people that, you know, go up and if they say hi to me, I always say hi. And sometimes they'll just be like, Oh, she said hello back. I don't even know what to do right now. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> I wasn't ready for that next step. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Like, I mean, you're right. Numbers game. Totally. Again, I'm in sales and it, I mean, I would, I'd get 50 rejections, just people beating us down about how terrible we were at basketball. And then you get that one guy who's like, Oh my gosh, you know, I did have a nice time. That one game I went to, I'll, I'll buy your season ticket. And I'm like, 
what did you say? <laughs> you just automatically are like, all right, well, thank you. Wait, yeah. You're saying yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's worth it for those moments, but again, it's, it's, you said it's a numbers game. You just got to keep at it. And, and you also get better at it because, mm-hmm. you know, I would go on these first dates and I knew I'd, I'd go out there and I'd get compliments on like this dress and then a different date, they wouldn't say anything if I was wearing something different. So I had like, like I had a first date dress, like that's your packaging, right? You know, I knew that, you know, if my hair was back, I got more compliments. And so like, then also just making sure, and I'd be like, okay, well this story, that guy laughed really hard. So I'm obviously going to tell that one again. And I really just had, and it it sounds scripted, but it wasn't, but it was, again, it's being prepared for success and being able to say, okay, well, these four stories, they love them. And I'm going to make sure I work these in no matter what question you ask me, I'm getting these three stories in. Um, And I'm going to make sure that I look my best and I feel my best. And again, just put put myself out there. And and if it doesn't, still doesn't work, I'm like, man, I crushed on all those stories in my outfit. Still doesn't like me again. Mourn it, flush it, move on. Oh my gosh. I love it. So you're like tracking. You're like, that outfit got like six, (laughs) six, you look good. Like, that's so great. Like, it's like, and then you're strategic about it, right? Yes. It's again, sales, data, research, all of it. That's exactly what I teach. Again, it was all about business before. And then I was like, man, if I did that in, in my dating world, um, that would totally work. And actually that's what I wrote a book about was a dating plan. So easy, a teenager could do it. Um, because, and I chronicled how I actually did the sales without even knowing again, as a, in a, as a high school, I was like, I'm going to date that guy. And I did all of these things and, and we ended up dating and I, I go back and chronicle how it actually was rooted in sales, but I didn't even know it. So anyone can do it. Oh I was like, gosh. Oh, but you're in sales. No, you don't have to be in sales. I can teach you how to do it. I did it when I was 16 and I didn't even know I was doing it. And I was an introvert, scared to death little girl. And I was like, I'm going to get that guy. And, and I did. So. Oh my gosh. And it's like, you just need one, right? Like at the end of the day, you just need one. (laughs) We don't need like, I mean, if that's, if you want multiple, that's great too. But most of us are like, I just need one. Like I need one good one to walk away with. Yep, exactly. <laughs> oh, I love this strategy because I think we think um, relationships and even like marriage, everything is like real romantic and just like comes to you. You're like, no, you have to put like strategy and thought and a plan behind it. So I love that that's how you approach dating. That's so awesome. <laughs> yeah, that's the first thing that people say is like, oh man, I have a friend that you need to work with. But the friend, and that's why I wrote the book so I could give it to the person, the piece people that kept saying, I have a friend of a friend. Great, give them my book. Because that person rarely comes to me because they're embarrassed. They don't mm-hmm. think that they, sh- it seems desperate that they would hire someone and they'd be so calculated. I'm like, you guys just asked me to look at your resume and to put in a good word for you um, and network. Why, why you, if you did that in your dating life, all those things, you know, you get a little bit further along as well too. So yeah, I mean, it's all about, yeah, using, using what you have and, and having a plan. If you have a plan, like how many times have you gotten in the car and said, I think I'm going to cal- go to California. And you don't look at a map or, you know, type it into your phone. Like you can't just get to California yeah. by getting in your car unless you're really good at geography and I'm not. But anyway, yeah. you know what I'm saying? You can't, if you don't have a plan, how do you know how to get there? Right. You can't wish your way to California. You can't wish <laughs> yeah. your way to dates, right? Like there has to be some strategy behind it. Yeah. Like we always tell people like, no one's just going to knock on your front door and ask you out. And if they do, you probably shouldn't go. Like that's creepy. Yeah. <laughs> right you want somebody that's a little bit of a chase <laughs> yeah that is awesome was there any like parting words anything that you would love to share as somebody who's kind of really trusting herself with what she wants and has just worked tirelessly to stay true to her brand yes I mean it's always just about really think about what it is that you want out of life it's just it's a short amount of time we get to be here mm-hmm. and if you 
if, what is it that's holding you back? And if, again, if it's, you need a cheerleader, if you need someone to help a strategy, like you have someone in your life that can help you with that. Like I said, I help people professionally and I'm happy to help people. But a lot of times people are like, you just, you need that accountability partner. Again, if you go to the gym, if you have a, you know, if you don't go to the gym and you eat a bunch of pizza, then when you weigh yourself, you shouldn't expect to have lost that weight. You need that accountability person in all parts of life. And part of that, um, that we were been doing with our wedding. And if you go and watch our videos, we basically are just going down the guest list. Every time something happens, we find someone on the guest list who can help us. And, and so, you know, that's what you guys kind of need to do in your life is say, I have someone, I know there's someone on my list in my life that can help me with what I'm trying to do right now. And that's, what you really need is just someone to tell you that it's okay. And again, play the devil's advocate, give all their advice, but again, just listen to yourself and really move forward. But just don't be afraid of failure and don't be afraid of success because that is what we should be going after. But just always be checking yourself and making sure that the life you're living is the one you really want. Mm-hmm. Great. Well, thank you thank so you much so for joining me and sharing kind of what you've been through and how you, the tips you've done to really be successful. I'm so glad that you asked me to be on here. Like I said, I just, again, I want every time I can just help people and get back out on another platform to say, it's okay. Go after dream big and go after it one step at a time. I love it. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. And I um, can't wait to hear how your wedding bus tour goes. Like that's definitely, I've never heard of anybody doing that. So you're uh, setting a trend or starting a trend. Maybe, but yes, thank you so much. You can follow along online. I'm sure. Yes. I'll link, I'll link to your um, Instagram and all that in the show notes and um, cannot wait to see the happy couple. Awesome. Thank you, Holly. I appreciate it. Thanks Tracy. Have a good one. You too. Bye. Thank you so much for tuning in. I wanted to share my three takeaways from this episode and, you know, really the thoughts and aha moments that really stood with me. And the first one is talking about how, don't start with the dream job. Don't let that be your end goal. Think about what it is you want to do, how you want to show up, what's important to you, what your gifts are, what your passions are, and then find that job. I think so often we think of, well, that's what we should do. And we don't think about, does that light us up? Does that use our gifts that we've been given? And when you can stay true to that, those jobs are going to come. That passion is going to come for those places. And, you know, well, mine, my path I know is just so different, right? From college athletics to nonprofit fundraising to business development, now a coach. Like, they're all so different. But they all have this thread of communications and storytelling and community and excellence and communication or, excuse me, community building. And I've stayed through that, but, and the dream jobs have changed along the way. I think that's so great, especially in times when we're so stuck on a purpose or a dream job that we lose track of what it is we want to do. You know, and the second point I loved is that we talked about, is it possible to lead a successful life without the ability to pivot? And I think we both agreed it's really hard to do that. And that if you aren't adaptable and you don't want to pivot, you're going to miss so much. So whether it's, you know, you have to redirect your life because you're forced to, or maybe there's something really in you that you want to do when you make those pivots it's so key. And, you know, I think back on my life when I've made pivots in my life and they've been the best decisions I could have made. And I very easily could have stayed on one certain path, but I trusted myself to make that pivot. And I think the excitement is when you pivot in different times in your life and that it's, you know, and I guess, you know, thinking through, you know, can you lead a successful life? It's going to be really hard. Um, and it does depend on what success is for you, but being able to pivot is you listening to yourself for you making changes for you, you know, adapting as you grow as a human. And I think that's so key for joy, especially as we go into times of uncertainty, right? To be able to pivot, make changes and really trust. Yourself. 
And the third one is really just like checking in that the life you're living is the one you want. Um, I think this is a good thing maybe at the end of the year, maybe every six months to pivot, say, what am I doing? Is that serving who I want to be? Um, you know, she talked a story about how somebody introduced her in a way that did not feel right to her. That's not how she wanted to show up. And so she made some changes. So put some guardrails on you, put some guardrails on saying, Hey, is this the life I want to be living? Yes, it is. No, it's not a little, I could do better. I'm fine where I'm at, but just do a check-in is what you're doing every day, getting you the results for the life you want. And these type of things have to be strategic. They have to be scheduled. They have to be thought out. So put it in your planner. Maybe say at the end of the year, I'm checking in. Maybe once every quarter I'm checking in, but really make sure that the life you're leading is the one you want because as we all know, life goes ha- it goes fast. Things can happen. Things change. So being really intentional is so key. So thank you so much for tuning into today's episode. I, um, I love sharing these stories with you and I hope they inspire you because they inspire me. And again, if I can ever provide support for you in any way, please feel free to email me at holly at hollycrevo.com. And if you enjoy this episode, I would love for you to leave me a review as it helps this reach other people and serve them as well. So thanks again and have a great day.